0: Thanks for joining us for Life Community Church. Well, happy Easter to you guys. He is risen. Oh, yeah, you guys got it. So I grew up in a pretty traditional church where if someone says he's risen, you say, he's risen indeed. Let's do it one more time. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Oh, you guys sound great. You look great. Everybody looks so good for Easter today. Great job. Well, if we haven't met yet, my name is Dan. I'm one of the lead pastors here. Um, Liz and I lead the church together, Um, and if you don't have a church home, man, I would guess probably half of our church has just started coming within the last year, and so you would fit right in. Just come on, join the community. We're kind of in this place where we're just melting together, Um, so you are welcome here. You are wanted here. You can join us um, in life. I think that's what Jesus wants us to be doing, life with each other. And encouraging each other, it's, Each other. it's really hard to do the Christian walk alone. Um, so come on, let's do life together. Well, we are, um, today's Easter, next week we're starting a brand new series called Doubt. And this series, we're going to look at what doubts we have. Like, when we are walking through the Christian faith, we have doubts, don't we? And I think sometimes in church, we kind of stuff our doubts down, we don't publicly say them, And I think church should be the place where we are voicing our doubts. We're saying, you know, I don't know about this. Like, is Jesus who he says he is? Is he real? If he is real, why didn't he comfort me or do the thing that I wanted in this time of need? We'll answer all sorts of questions. Nothing is off limits here. So we're going to go through doubt. So that'll be a five-week series starting next week. Come join us for that. I have a question for you. Do you know what can cause doubt in the hearts of the boldest people? Do you know what has the power to make even the most even-keeled people just run into a panic? you know what makes the powerful feel weak in the knees? It can make the rich feel as though they have nothing. Do you know what can make the most competent people doubt their entire lives? It can make people run home in an instant if they experience it. Even the most powerful people feel powerless when they have it. You guys know what it is? It's when you feel that buzzing in your pocket and you pull out your phone and it says 14% battery left. I oh, no! And you got to run home, plug in, find a charger, ask a stranger, do you have a battery pack, right? It can cause that that panic in us. Do you guys have... Uh, Let me ask you a question. Do you have Android or iPhone? So all the Android people, raise your hand. The Lord's chosen phone, raise your hand. Okay, good. iPhone people, raise your hand. Where am I? Oh, my God. All right, if you could keep your hands raised, I'm going to write your names down so I can pray for you this week. Just kidding. I can't believe it. I did this. uh, I was substituting the high school a couple weeks ago, and I was curious, and I asked the, the students, and only three kids out of the class of 30 had Android phones. And I realized I'm no longer a cool kid. I never was a cool kid, but I thought maybe I was a cool kid. And like all the cool kids have iPhones. Um, You know, there's that debate, right? Of iPhone versus Android. It seems like iPhone's winning in this church. But back in the day, that wasn't a debate, was it? Back in the day, it was like, do you have a phone? And if you had a phone, well, then you were cool, right? All you had to do was have a phone, and you're like, Whoa, you have a cell phone? Super cool. I want to show you my first cell phone. Put, put that cell phone up there on the, on the screen. This is my very first cell phone. I probably took a half hour to figure out what my first cell phone is. I was Googling different things, finally found it. How cool is that? Isn't that the coolest thing? It was a flip phone. I had a flip phone before most of my friends, so that was cool, you know? It didn't take pictures doesn't have a color screen, but it was a flip phone. I had this trick where I could spin it by the antenna, and it would flip open, and I'd be like, hello. It was pretty cool. I was a cool kid at one point, I promise. Um, remember how these batteries, they'd last forever? Like 14% meant nothing, right? 14% meant like 14 hours left. There was nothing to panic about. But now today we get to 14%, and we're like, Ah! I have no power! I've got a power issue! you guys ever have where you plug your phone in at night and uh, it's not all the way set in and so it doesn't charge, you wake up and it's like dead? What happens to me most often is I'll plug it in, I'll make sure it's in there, and it's in there, real good, and then I wake up, it's dead, I'm like, what happened? And what had happened, what happens in my house is like my, my outlet is loose in the wall, so over time it wiggles out until one night it just doesn't charge. I wake up and I'm like, oh no, I've got a power issue with my phone. Now, some of you are here today, and you've got some power issues in your life. And it's way more serious than just an uncharged cell phone. You might feel powerless when it comes to your finances. Powerless when it comes to a relationship in your life. Powerless in your health. Powerless in your education or your career path or at your job. You might feel powerless in your parenting. I feel that a lot. I've got a two-year-old, a five-year-old, a seven-year-old. I feel powerless there sometimes. Power issues, we've all got them. We've all had them. We've all got them. We're all going to have them. But regardless of what your power issue is here today, you are in the right place. Because Easter is all about power. Jesus' power. Divine power. There's a verse in the Bible, Romans 6, 4. It says, And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. There's that word power. Power. Only it's not talking about power like to charge our cell phones. It's not talking about Arnold Schwarzenegger's power and his physical strength. It's not talking about political power like the president who has uh, governmental authority. It's not a social power like an Instagram influencer. It's not a financial power like a Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk who can just buy Twitter overnight. He's trying to do that. I don't know if you guys heard that. And he's just like, here, here's a couple million dollars. I'm going to buy Twitter. To, to understand this power that Romans is talking about, we first have to understand whose power it is. And it's certainly not our own. It doesn't have its source in any worldly or human power. Romans tells us that this is a divine power, God's power. And that is what we're celebrating today, the power that frees the oppressed, The power that gives hope, the power that forgives sins, the power that heals souls and bodies alike, the power that raised Jesus from the dead, conquering all evil and sin for all those that believe in him. And today we celebrate the power of the living God. Let's look back at this verse in Romans. There's two things that this power does. The first thing it does is it overcomes evil by raising Jesus from the grave. Evil wanted him dead. Evil wanted him to stay in that grave. Evil thought it had won. Evil wanted him powerless. But it couldn't hold him. And God's power rose him from the grave, conquering that evil. And second, in this verse in Romans, it says that, This power gives us, you and me, new life. And the Bible is full of ways that we receive this new life through the resurrection power of Jesus. Ask this question of yourself. And maybe invite God into this question. When you invite God into your conversation, it can become prayer. So you can ask God, Where do I need your resurrection power in my life, God? God, where do I need your resurrection power in my life? Or another way you could ask that is, what is dead or dying in my life that needs to be revived? However you answer that question, that is your power issue. Today, I want to encourage you with a true story from the Bible. The story is about someone with a power issue, just like you and I. Their problems needed to be fixed. And it wasn't going to happen unless God intervened directly. And you know, I'm sorry to spoil it for you, but you know what he does? He intervenes. And with his love and compassion, his care and his mercy, and ultimately his resurrection power to set the broken things right and create new life. Now, the only reason... I'm giving you just one story, and not 150 stories is because I bet you guys have like Easter dinners to get to, and maybe some friends to meet up with, right? You guys want to do that? Maybe you got important plans, like napping this afternoon, that's really important. So I won't, I won't keep you long, so I'll just tell you one story. And I bet if I told you, if I kept you here all day, and I told you 150 stories from the Bible. After that, I would want to be like, hey, who here has experienced God's power in your life? You come up and you tell your story of God's power, and then we'd be here for a whole nother day. And I won't do that to you, okay? So we'll just share one story for you. The story that I'm going to share with you today is about relationships and the resurrection power of forgiveness in our relationships. If we went to downtown Champaign, or maybe, maybe we should go to Urbana, because that's where the cool kids are, right? That's like the hip part of town. That's where everybody has iPhones, probably. Um, so let's go to Urbana. And we went down there, and we started asking people a question. And we would say, hey, could you share about a time in your life when you just felt broken? When you had a, a power issue, maybe we would call it. What's, your, what's one of your deepest hurts, if you're willing to share with us? We would find that almost everyone that we ask, this would uh, relate to a relational issue. Someone with another person. That's where our deepest hurts come from. And how many other power issues, as we've been calling them, find their root in a broken relationship? So we're going to take a look at this friendship between Peter and Jesus. And perhaps you've heard of the 12 disciples. They were Jesus' closest friends. Well, Peter was in like the top three of Jesus's friends. Um, in fact, we could even make an argument that he was top one. And the disciples, they would argue about this. They would say, oh, I'm closer to Jesus. No, I'm closer to Jesus. And they would have these little competitions, right? Um, not that it mattered, but Peter was up there. He, he did everything with Jesus. He traveled with Jesus. He ate with Jesus. Jesus and Peter, for lack of better terms, they were bros, right? They, they were just inseparable, They were really close friends. They did ministry together. They just did life together. And so the night when Jesus was arrested, this would have been Thursday night, the day before he died, Peter was the guy who chopped off that guard's ear. You remember that story where Peter chops off his ear? And you know, for the first time this week as I was studying this story, I had a thought that like Peter probably wasn't aiming for his ear. Right? Like, no one's that good of a shot. He was probably going, I don't know, for a kill shot. I don't know for sure. Um, But he chops off this guy's ear, and Jesus heals it. He puts it back on. He was ready to go to battle for Jesus. He was ready to die for Jesus. He said that. But then, that evening, as Jesus was being questioned, he was kind of being put on trial, he was being beaten, spit on, slapped, mocked. Peter rids himself of any association with Jesus. And perhaps it was out of self-preservation. He didn't want to end up like Jesus did. Maybe he was questioning if Jesus was legit, if he was who he says he is. Is Jesus the, the Messiah? Is he the one to bring healing and hope and peace and power to a nation? How can how can he be the Messiah if he's being beat up right now? And so out of shame, Peter denies that he's even one of the disciples. And then a second and a third time, he denies even knowing Jesus. Imagine the relational brokenness between Peter and Jesus in that moment. Imagine if a friend denied, denied Knowing you, in your very lowest moment, you had a friend that just, oh, I don't even know that guy. Your very best friend denying even knowing you. You know, Jesus was sinless, but he wasn't emotionless. Sometimes we give Jesus this like monotone, uh, emotionless voice in our minds. But if you read your Bibles, you'll see that Jesus has every human emotion because he is human. He's 100% human, 100% God. He weeps at the death of his friend. We see him angry in a temple, like flipping tables. Liz talked about this last week. He was angry because these temple leaders, the people that were supposed to be helping people, were exploiting people. And so Jesus was angry. We see his joy. We see his compassion. We see his love. We see all these emotions from Jesus. So I'm sure Jesus mourned this moment in he and Peter's relationship. And Jesus even predicted this moment, telling Peter he would deny him three times before the rooster crowed. And so the rooster crowed, and immediately Peter realizes what's happened. He realizes that Jesus has predicted this. He realizes that he's denied Jesus three times, even knowing him. We can see this in Matthew 26. It says, Suddenly, Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me. And he went away weeping bitterly. So Peter remembers this, and he just goes away weeping bitterly. Just broken, a broken relationship that he had denied Jesus. We've all been here. We've all had this kind of emotion. We, in some form or another, have felt this relational brokenness. Whether the hurt was caused by someone uh, that did something to us or we did something to somebody else, we've been in these broken relationships, and we know how powerful that can be. Consider what Peter's going through here. The very next day, Jesus is killed. Peter, in his mind and the disciples' mind, They don't think they're ever going to see Jesus again. Jesus is dead. It's over. Even though Jesus told them directly that he would conquer death, they still didn't get it. The disciples and Peter, they don't understand. They don't know what's really happening, even though Jesus has told them. They don't expect that Jesus is coming back. And that teaches us something, doesn't it? Like, even in moments where we don't know What's going on? Jesus is still moving. Jesus is still working. That's one of the topics we'll cover in doubt in the next couple weeks. So, some of you here today, you can really identify with what Peter is going through, with what he's feeling. There's no hope for the brokenness in your heart to be healed. This goes beyond relationships Uh, You know, you think this would be a class A miracle if this brokenness in your heart was healed. And sure, it applies to relationships, our, our marriages, our families, our kids, our friendships, yes. But it extends into your job, into your education, into your finances, into your body. Every area of your life, Jesus has come to make whole. It goes back to the question, what is dead or dying in your life that needs the resurrection power of Jesus. Jesus didn't stay dead. Death couldn't keep his grip. Death couldn't keep its grip on Jesus, as Acts says. And Jesus displayed his divine power over sin and death in every area of brokenness in our lives. And so a few days go by after Jesus' resurrection and Peter has has returned to his former life. It doesn't even look like Peter is following Jesus anymore. His days of preaching with Jesus and healing and ministering to people on behalf of God and bringing people into the kingdom of God. It seems like those days are over for Peter when we see him. And so a few days later, after Jesus, Jesus comes um, back from the dead, he finds Peter fishing. And that's Peter's livelihood. That's what he does. And, and Jesus shows up on the beach, and he makes Peter breakfast. Isn't that awesome? Like, wouldn't you love to have Jesus make you breakfast? I would love if anybody made me breakfast. It's, so, it's such a good thing. I love going to the hen house. Anybody hen house fans over here? I, I love their pancakes. I get the, like, chocolate chip ones made for kids. I don't care. They're delicious. (laughs) Jesus makes Peter breakfast. And Jesus comes on the scene to complete this narrative arc. Knowing Peter has disavowed him three times. Jesus asks Peter three times, Do you love me? And each time, Peter responds, Yes, I do. You know that I do. And Jesus ultimately forgives him. But more importantly, he, he, um, he tells Peter, he says, now go do what you were created to do. You're forgiven. Now go live into your calling. The sins that you think disqualify you from, from your calling, I took care of those on the cross a few days ago. With my resurrection power, I wiped those out when I emerged from the tomb. And in in the exact same way, when you tell Jesus, I love you. I love you. Jesus, I love you. I want to follow you with my whole life. Jesus forgives you. And he releases you to be who he's made you to be. Because of Jesus' resurrection power, your sin cannot define you. Your past cannot define who you are in Jesus. And brokenness, just like it couldn't keep its grip on Jesus, cannot keep its grip on you. Romans 8.1. This is uh, from a little bit different translation called The Message. It kind of paraphrases things, but I like the way it, it gives us poetry. This is Romans 8.1. With the arrival of Jesus, the Messiah, that fateful dilemma is resolved. Those who enter into Christ's being here for us no longer have to live under a continuous, low-lying, black cloud. New power is in operation. The spirit of life in Christ, like a strong wind, has magnificently cleared the air, freeing you, freeing you. Have you ever felt that cloud when you've wronged somebody? You can physically feel that black cloud in your soul in the atmosphere between you and that person in your relationship. I'll share with you kind of a a trivial example. When I was about 10 years old, my dad took me skiing. I had been skiing in Wisconsin one time before this, but this time, we went to see my grandparents who lived in Colorado, and we went skiing on a real mountain. And I mean, it was huge. You know, it takes you like, I don't know, 30 minutes or longer to get to the top of the mountain. Long chair ride. And so me and my dad ride up. We start going down this mountain, and he takes one trail, and eventually I lose him. And I'm terrified. I'm 10 years old. I'm on the middle of this mountain. I remember specifically being stopped looking around, seeing like the black diamond, the double black diamond sign, right? That's like the super hard slope. And the blue sign, that's the middle slope. And then the, the green slope, that's where I belong. This so it's like, okay, well, I just take all the greens down. I'm terrified, I'm lost. I'm on this huge mountain, so I take all these green slopes down. And I just figure I'll just sit at the bottom of the mountain until I find my dad. Eventually, I find my dad and kind of embarrassed that I had lost him he was like, oh, oh, you're, you're here. Great job. Um, are you okay? And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Like, I didn't show any sign of, like, being, you know, terrified. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. In fact, I went down a blue, and then I found this diamond that I thought I could do. So I did this black diamond. It, it was no big deal. I just lying through my teeth. And my dad probably knew. We still haven't talked about this. So we should talk about it. I don't know if he'll remember it. Um, But, you know, I I just lied through my teeth. And as soon as I did, I just felt this weight. Like, why did I do that? I just felt that brokenness in my chest. And so later that night, I just couldn't take it anymore. And so I went to him, and I was like, Dad, I lied about the black diamond and the blue. I was terrified. I went down all the greens. And he was like, oh, man, I'm just, I'm so glad you're okay. And in my confession and in his forgiveness, the air was cleared. I had freedom again in my relationship with my dad. Have you ever felt that freedom before from someone forgiving you? That kind of freedom is what Jesus gives us only on a divine level, on a godlike level. Romans 10 tells us that all who call on his name are given this freedom, are, for, are given forgiveness. It says all who call on his name are saved. Now, in our relationship, we have been freed, if you've called on his name. And so now we have a responsibility, as we've received freedom, we have a responsibility to go free others, to pass on this same kind of forgiveness. Ephesians 4.32 says, be kind to one another, tender-hearted. What a soul word that is, tender-hearted. That's like Something you can't really describe is this feeling, tender-hearted towards somebody. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. I wonder, is there someone in your life that you need to offer forgiveness to? Maybe they've apologized and it's really difficult to forgive. Maybe it's a situation where they don't even know they've wronged you or they're no longer with us. You can still offer forgiveness to them. Do you notice how Jesus here in this story, he initiates forgiveness. He goes and seeks Peter out. He did nothing wrong, yet he forgives. Is there somebody that you need to forgive today? Is there someone that you need to pass on this resurrection, Easter, Easter, power of forgiveness to. I I encourage you, send them a text. Today, do that. Say, hey, can we talk later tonight? People aren't doing anything Easter night, right? Just send them a text. Hey, can we talk later tonight? I know it's been a while, but can we talk? If this is somebody you can't contact, maybe it'll cause more trauma or maybe they're not around anymore. I encourage you to go deal with it in prayer and ask God, God, what would it look like for me, in my heart, to forgive this person. What would that look like? You know, you want a secret? Forgiveness isn't for the other person alone. It's also for us. Forgiveness frees us. And I can't think of a better day than Easter Sunday to offer forgiveness, to offer peace to other people. You now we've been talking a lot about power today. There's this interesting correlation in the Bible between the word power and the word life. And every time that, not every time, but a lot of times when this word power is mentioned, we see uh, this reference to new life along with it. And it's available to everyone who puts their faith in Jesus. Let me show you a couple. John 20, 31. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you may have life. You may have life by the power of his name. May you ex- Here's Ephesians 3.19. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully, when you will be made complete with all the fullness, all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Last one, Colossians 2.12, For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life. You're raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. These are powerful things to be saying. God did all this And he's doing this because he cares for you. Because he knows you. The living and active, true God wants his power to bring you new life. God wants his power to bring you new life. If that's true, that is worth chasing with all that we have. He wants new life with you now. Here, today. It's not just for all eternity. It, start, it is for all eternity and it starts here today. It's not just the afterlife. He doesn't want religion from you. He doesn't want religion from you. He wants a relationship. In fact, if you read this, the passages in Matthew between when Jesus palmed Sunday, all, everybody raised their palm branches and said, the Messiah is here, the Messiah is here. And then the passage, when he dies, if you read between there, a lot of that section is him just telling people how your religion is worthless because uh, you don't have a relationship with me. You're just doing these acts. You're just doing these things to do them so you can feel good about yourself. But you don't have a relationship with me. You don't know me. You don't know what I love. And he's upset with the religious people, people like me, that can just sometimes go through the actions instead of actually having relationship. And so that's what Jesus wants from us. He wants relationship, and that's far more beautiful than religion. And I hope you're asking now, well, well, how do I get this new life? How do I experience new life? This life of freedom and forgiveness. How do I have a relationship with Jesus? Well, it's pretty simple, yet significant. You talk to God. And you tell him you want him in your life. It's really that simple. You tell him you accept his forgiveness. That you want to follow him into this new life that he has planned for you through his power. So what I'd like to do now is just close in prayer. And first, as I pray, I'm going to have a prayer for you, for everyone here. And then I'm going to say a prayer that you can just follow along with me if you want to say yes to Jesus today. Will you guys bow your heads with me? Jesus, conqueror of death and sin and brokenness, Jesus, I thank you for everyone here. Thank you that you know everyone here individually, that you care for them, that you are at the core that you know who they are at the core of their beings. You care about them. You love them on an individual level. And Jesus, I pray for everyone hearing my voice, whether they're in this room, whether they're watching online or listening to the podcast five years in the future. God, I pray that you would give them the courage to say yes to you today, God, And experience your presence. Let's keep our heads bowed. And if you want to say yes to Jesus today, you can just say a prayer like this. It doesn't have to be the exact words. Just something like this. Follow along with me. And you can just kind of repeat after what I say. God, thank you for loving me. Despite all my faults. And you see them all. Jesus, thank you for loving me. Jesus, I believe that you died but rose again, conquering sin and death on my behalf because I couldn't. I don't have that power. Jesus, today I open my life to you. I want to know the purpose that you made me for. So Jesus, in the best way that I know how, I say yes to you. I say yes to your forgiveness. I say yes to your freedom I say yes to your new life for me. Jesus, I say yes to your resurrection power in my life. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, man, the Bible tells us there's there's so many promises for you. One thing it says is that angels are celebrating for you. And if, if we can exchange favors, if you would do something for me, I'd love to do something for you. If you've prayed that prayer today, You've got to let me know. You can go to lifemohammed.org slash yes. Or you can come talk to me after service. If you're online, go to lifemohammed.org slash yes. And I would love to be praying for you by name this week. I mean, you're starting this new life journey with Jesus. It's such a significant, important thing. And I'd love to be praying for you by name. We're going to stand. Will you guys stand with me? We're going to worship right now. We're going to thank God for who he is, the power that he has, and that he gives us new life. At Life Community Church, we want you to experience the powerful, life-changing love of God. To learn more, go to LifeMuhammad.org. LifeMuhammad.org.